0: Many of us in this world find ourselves searching for ways to feel more alive. We move through our lives day after day, living through the same repetitive cycles and the same stressful patterns that often leave us feeling defeated, underappreciated, or unfulfilled. But what if there were a different way to perceive life? What if out there we were able to find the keys to a happy, healthy, and fulfilling reality in the lives that we're living right here, right now? For those of us who are looking for a way to transform our lives, for those of us who are looking to fully live in this moment, to change how we feel, how we perceive the world, and awaken to a better reality so we can fully live this life. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question, are you living or are you killing time? What's going on everybody, welcome back. This episode is one that I've had a little bit of trouble trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to present it. It's one that has really been inspired by a long string of events that's occurred throughout really some of the past six months or so. It's really hit ahead as of recently. It's one that I myself had to bring this subject into my own awareness um, several key significant times I can think of in my life. And although I've heard of the expression many, many times and thought I comprehended it, and I listened to some folks talk about it in the past, I guess I never really understood it fully until it was pointed out to me that I had a bit of it going on myself. Now, really, I try to stay away from any subjects that are really going to fire people up. But if you find a subject that upsets you in this episode, something that I'm going to talk about, something that I may have a different viewpoint from you on and it upsets you and of dissonance going on. And if that's the case... Is something to really be concerned about. And like all things, if you discover a part of yourself that gets challenged and it creates discord and internal conflict, you really should examine that subject and try to actively attack the information that might lead you to the polar opposite. And when I say attack it, I mean attack it and learn all you can about it so that you can either... Maybe dissolve your current standpoint or solidify it based on the polar opposite of the information that makes you feel Discord. So really, this subject first came to me in the form of some views I've really developed on the virus. When it first came out and things really first started shut down, I found myself literally wearing gloves and masks everywhere I went. I was one of the only ones who was working at my work at all. Um, I was like literally spreading everything down before I went home. I was like spraying my shoes with disinfectant. I was changing my clothes out on the deck before I came through the door. Um, I was being mega cautious because of my own health history and stuff that my wife was going through. And then I started to get more knowledgeable about it. You know, the fear factor kind of faded a little bit and some more facts started coming to the surface. And of course, I varied my sources. I turned away from, from mainstream media, which is something I always say, but I'll get into more of why I really have that standpoint. And I learned a lot about the conflicting information about the virus origins. And I listened to both sides of the political spectrum on it because it, it was and really still is a highly politicized subject, which doesn't make any sense to me. How is something that's a human health issue become political? Something that is, is costing people lives become political. And the more I learned, the less frightened I was by it then I really started to see discrepancies in death totals. I started to see what other countries were doing and saw a vast amount of information that was inconsistent with what was often coming from mainstream news sources. And it was at that point I really started to question a lot of stuff. But it was the conversation I had with someone who I considered a highly, highly awakened person, uh, a very neutral and calm man who has been on this planet far longer than I have been, and was just very educated and seasoned It had a ton of knowledge on so many different things. So I really take this person's point of view uh, very seriously. And when I expressed my views on his lack of seriousness on how he felt on the virus, he really thought it was something that was completely made up and, and really had, I think, still even to this day, a little bit more of a nonchalant attitude towards it because um, I really do believe something, you know, obviously there's a virus out there. It's causing a lot of lives. So when you say there's people who are claiming it's completely false, I, like I said, I don't want to go too far down those roads, but I stay in the middle. I stay neutral. And he was completely dismissive about the whole entire thing. So I was curious as to why he could be so dismissive about it. Um, and what if his dismissiveness cost him... Or someone close to him their life and it was at that point he said what if all of what you think about that is wrong what if your exact point of view about all of it is completely wrong and all of the info you received was all a fabricated lie how exactly would you know that everything that you received for the information that you think is true right now how do you know it's 100% true and how would you feel if you found out it was all a lie? not saying it was a lie how would you feel if you found out it was on any subject? And that's when I had voiced to him what my standpoint was. And no matter what the facts were that were sent my way, I was basically dismissive and non-believing for no reason other than the fact that it was against my already established view. So if he brought up something that was against, and he, he did a very good job of this, he brought up multiple alternative subject viewpoints No matter what his personal views were, he had the knowledge on both sides of the spectrum. So when a few hot topics came up, he would throw the opposite of what I felt and some facts that supported the opposite side. And he asked me how those things made me feel. And when I discussed what that established view was, and we discussed how uncomfortable I was discussing the alternative or how the alternative maybe even fired me up a little bit. He pointed out that I was suffering from cognitive dissonance. So what does that term mean exactly before I might lose you on a hot topic? Because that's one thing I really don't want to do. Stick with me on this one. No matter what my view might be, I don't have views on most of this stuff. I stay so neutral on so many different things with all the stuff that I've learned in the last few years. I don't stand behind any one thing. And I really learned to mimic and mirror viewpoint of this very wise person that I came across because I learned that he doesn't stand strong on either side. Most of our information just comes from so many varied sources. It's like, how can you trust any of them? So many sources have been caught being untruthful. So how can you really trust any of them? You stand on neutral ground on a lot of this stuff and just question it all. And I want to let you know that's really where I stand. So if I touch on any one of these subjects. Don't let me lose you on it because this is a very, very important lesson when it comes to spiritual and conscious awakening. So when I brought up this subject myself with people, since I really realized this was going on within myself, I have been amazed at the angry and harsh backlash that it brings from people and not just on the topic of the virus, like that's just one of them. Um, and when it comes to the virus, I'll tell you what my views are, please b- Number A, I totally believe it's real. B, I completely believe people are dying from it. And C, we have to use an abundance of caution surrounding it if you're a vulnerable population. But all of the things also that are out there in other sources, like the Great Barrington Accord, which if you don't know what that is, look it up, it originated by a panel of doctors right here in good old Massachusetts. And there's a lot of info out there that come from so many different angles, So don't get me wrong, I'm not an anti-masker, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, none of those things. I don't like those labels, so don't throw those labels on me and and really, um, it's not fair to label other people things that they don't want to be labeled. The definition of cognitive dissonance is basically having two thoughts simultaneously that contradict each other. And the uncomfortableness that results from that is very troubling for most people. It's one of the most painful and triggering things that someone goes through, and they literally go through it on a regular basis. And because of that, when when contradictory thought enters a person's awareness, especially one that enters that is so far from what you think about yourself or the world and reality, we often stand on our ground and fight to defend what our previously stated belief was. We don't even hear the information. We just completely dismiss the new info, just to defend the standpoint that we were on or currently are on. And that's something right there that should make you pause and be concerned about all of it just as much as I was. Because when I realized I was closed off to new information, especially new information that was potentially new truth, it really frightened me at how much I was willing to dismiss the other viewpoint because I was potentially dismissing what could have been a truth. If I was unwilling to listen to the facts that were were alternative to the way that I currently thought about something, it meant that I was likely closing myself off from an entirely new world of possibilities. And after I discovered some of the cognitive dissonance incidents that I had going on in my current life, I started to apply them to every belief that I had about everything. It was at that point that My perspective changed on the entire world forever, especially how this related to my actions in my former career. It really opened up my eyes to some of the standpoints that I used to have and how really everything that I have for a current view in this reality is something that is still unfolding to me to this day. There could be a new truth that pops up about something that I haven't even considered yet that could shatter my belief or at least put it in question, which I think that's What you can literally use to solve or uh, cure cognitive dissonance is you just have the potential of every potential. But before we dive too deep, I want to read a review that came in uh, about the show on Apple Podcasts. As you know, I absolutely love and appreciate these reviews of all types, uh, and leaving them on whatever platform you listen on, uh, if they allow comments or reviews, is a great way for us to reach new listeners. It's a great way to give me some some feedback because it definitely is a labor of love to keep this going. It's a lot of work, and just to get a little bit of feedback from people, whether it's the emails, the social media messages that I get, uh, but the comments are ones that people can, uh, everybody can see when they're out there shopping for podcasts right now. There's 1.7 million shows out there, so anything that can be done to put us in the forefront would be awesome. This review came in on Apple Podcasts, which is the one that I check the most frequently. This one comes in from Love and Light AR, and it's titled, Thank You. And it says, Thank you so much for documenting and sharing Tammy's story. What an amazing episode. These are such important lessons to live by and will allow us to connect better to ourselves and others. I hope to listen to more episodes with her in the future. Thank you, love and light AR. And I completely agree. I can't wait to get Tammy back on here. I've been so busy lately. Her and I have some off mic conversations we need to have that I've been putting off just because I'm just so absolutely buried in stuff right now. But uh, I definitely plan to have Tammy back in the near future. I actually want to get her on for a live episode. I'm still trying to work out the logistics on how to do that. I've got to talk to some of my colleagues out there in the field who managed to do the live episode thing. Um, But I want to get her on here to do what she does with some listeners live on the air. I think it would make a great, great episode. So um, we will definitely see a return of Tammy in the near future. She's had a lot of great comments come her way. Um, So definitely thank you for that review. And we will definitely see more of Tammy. Another wonderful sponsor that I want to mention is Organifi. I vowed to be very selective in the companies I partnered with for the podcast But after trying some of their products, the results that I've had, and discovering how truly unique of a company they are, I had to partner with them on the show. Not only are they an amazing group of people with an outstanding mission, but this company produces some of the highest quality superfood products that I've ever tried. Going above and beyond certified organic, they certify the purity of their products many times over. I am personally in love with the gold chocolate product. That's a hot chocolate style drink that I make at the end of a long day. Its key ingredients like turmeric, turkey tail, and reishi mushroom, along with ginger and lemon balm, and of course the cocoa, make an amazing drink that I reach for instead of a sugary dessert before bed. It promotes recovery and relaxation, and I have not been able to live without it since I discovered it. Check out their long line of amazing products at OrganifiShop.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-S-H-O-P.com. And if you find something you like, enter the coupon code LIVE THIS LIFE, all one word, to get 15% off your order. So, this subject has totally fascinated me since I realized that I had a significant amount of cognitive dissonance going on at the point I discovered it. And I have to constantly battle against it to this day. And really, at that point, I had some serious introspection that I had to do. And I had to dig into a whole lot of stuff that really took a long time to sift through and come to terms with. Now, I'm going to warn you about this, really. It's pretty uncomfortable. And it's kind of like that red pill, blue pill moment of The Matrix, where Morpheus holds the blue pill for Neo in one hand, and he tells him, if you want to stay where you are... You're gonna wake up and you're gonna believe whatever you wanna believe. You're gonna be in the same life you always were in and you can just continue on that path and you're just going to have the whole ignorance is bliss routine at that point. Your cognitive dissonance will help tuck you in at night because none of your ingrained beliefs will be challenged. Therefore, you won't have that uncomfortable feeling or you can take the red pill for the truth. And at that point, there's no turning back. And you kind of end up like Alice in Wonderland, tumbling down the rabbit hole from that point forward. And there's really no way to go back. So if you're in a life where you feel like you're kind of comfortable and you don't really want to jump into those kinds of things, something that might be a conversation that's uncomfortable, this may not be the episode for you. You know, I've really considered myself a red pill kind of person for a very, very long time. Um, You know, I really challenge all narratives on everything. And I'll get this right out of the way, right off the onset. The whole term conspiracy theorist, quote unquote conspiracy theorist, it's one that I feel like is way far overused. It's so cliche. It's so easily used to dismiss anything that challenges your cognitive dissonance. And it gets thrown out a lot gets thrown out a lot at anyone who would even question or challenge a mainstream standpoint. Critical thinking is really the term that needs to replace that other sentence. I mean, there are people out there who are just conspiracy theorists that every single thing that comes up, they come up with an alternative. And it just, it really delegitimizes the critical thinking, because at a certain point, it's like, oh, now we're back on this again. I mean, I, I hate to throw this at anybody who's the, the flat earthers, um, and I really don't want to thumb down my nose on anybody's belief systems, but I have a lot of questions on that, and I feel like that's one that gains a whole lot of criticism, but the amount of conspiracy, the the amount of people and, and everything else that needs to go into that, and on top of a lot of scientific fact that would basically be otherwise uh, completely de- legitimized by that entire thing being a real reality, I feel like a lot of different conspiracies um, do take it a bit far, and uh, again, I, I maybe shouldn't even have mentioned that one, but it's an example of many of the conspiracy theories that are out there. What I'm talking about is not conspiracy theory. I'm talking about critical thinking, because I don't stand on a certain standpoint, and you can take the flat earth people who believe in that, they, will, they literally believe in a standpoint that the earth is flat. Not many of them will go into saying, just consider these facts. And I think that's one of the busy, biggest disconnects where cognitive dissonance kicks in. Because not many people will say, consider these facts. Here are some facts for presentation. They will say, this is my way, and I want you to look at it from my perspective. And I'll say in this episode, I don't want you to see things from my perspective at all. My perspective is my perspective. My point of view is my point of view. No one else can have it. Even if I try to describe it, there's so many so many underlying factors that go along with creating someone's reality and their point of perspective on life and reality. No one can mirror what other some, what someone else's perspective is. I basically want to inspire everybody to do more critical thinking. Look at things from so many different standpoints and don't stand on any one given subject just because of one news source, or even a couple of different sources of information, be willing to accept all new pieces. And this really comes from when I worked in the museum world, when I had met some people who were forefront thinkers in their fields. They were, you know, one person in particular, she was into archaeology. And I remember her telling me how professors who had spent 40 years in their career teaching thousands of students did not like to accept some of the new concepts that were coming out, especially like ones about ancient Egypt and about the Sphinx and timelines on humanity that were coming out through the study of archaeology. And it's because it meant that all those students they taught, they taught the wrong things. And they were no longer quote-unquote experts in their field because there was all this new information out there. They were full of cognitive dissonance based on the new information, they fought vividly against it, would discredit anybody who would bring that stuff to the table. And since they, them, and part of their inner circles were so indoctrined into the educational system, anybody knew who was coming up with those ideas would be immediately ostracized and wouldn't even be led into the inner circles and would just basically have their careers ruined. And that happens in so many different fields right now. So You know, by no means do I believe in all potential conspiracy theories out there. Like I said, really a lot of them kind of, I get really put off by some of them. But I think for me, the very first one that I can remember that made me challenge everything was the JFK assassination. And I've seen so much evidence over the years that goes completely against the narrative of what the Warren Commission report, the findings that the government did on all the supposed facts. That came out of of the investigation, so many different things leave unanswered questions, and there's so many strange parts of it that it's like they they doctored evidence to match the narrative, like the perfect example was the the bullet that was found in governor Connolly's hospital bed. It created all these these outlandish stories about how the bullet traveled and everything else, its trajectory and it made all these strange tumbles and angles to make the shot that it that it did on on both JFK and the governor. And the the bullet ended up in his hospital gurney basically like unscathed and perfect. And it was supposedly this bullet that went through all this this ricochet and turmoil. So that one piece of evidence that didn't fit the narrative of a single gunman led to this government-funded investigation and commission and had them come out with a completely outlandish and nearly impossible explanation on how this bullet made all these twists and turns without basically encountering any human blood or any tissue nothing was found on it and it came out of the incident really in in the governor's hospital bed almost perfect i didn't buy it like that was like the first part of that one piece of that puzzle that made me start to question things but from there i guess i really started to question so many other things but i also wasn't questioning enough really i was i was fully adopting cognitive bias on on cognitive dissonance and bias on certain things but i was also dismissive of it on others i would say that the cognitive dissonance that i experienced that made me feel the most uncomfortable was the one that i experienced back in maybe like 2017 2016 2017ish my political views were starting to completely change after the 2016 election, some of the primaries and stuff like that, I just saw some stuff that was just really troubling. And there was a lot of police shootings that were going on. And I was really starting to find myself constantly jumping to the defense of the officers involved because of my line of work that I used to be in. And I remember having a decent debate about it, about one particular incident, I can't remember which one, I've been trying to think about which one it was, um, but right now, there's just so many that I can't pinpoint which one it was. But when I was in a certain debate, I told people that, you know, you don't know what it's like to be in there, in that moment, in that job, trying to make split second decisions. And we're sitting back here with a microscope, looking at these guys' decisions that they had to make a life or death decision in a matter of seconds. I remember having that standpoint. And then I remember saying, you know, fine, what would you have done? And then they asked the same thing of me fine, what would you have done if you were in that situation? And I remember in one specific discussion, my answer was was different than what we saw. And yes, I had the luxury of Monday morning quarterbacking the point of view and not being having not having to be in that particular moment. But when I started to see this over and over and I was watching the replays of these videos of what officers were doing and things on the news or even watching the show Cops like I used to do, I was like, what are you doing? You know, not in all of the cases, but in a lot of them. I was like, this 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 is as the things progressing, I'm like, here's what I would do, here's what I would do. So in those split second moments, I'm making different decisions and I'm really starting to question the decision making that was out there. Or even things I saw live, like I go somewhere to back someone up, and I would see these things if I went into like another town, a neighboring town, and I found myself saying things like at a certain point, hey, you all said, I'm, I'm going to head out of here if you're all done. You got enough people here, emergency's over, I, I'm going to go. Because I didn't want to associate myself with some of the things that I was starting to see. And that started a completely different paradigm shift for me from what I viewed as the supposed valor of the job and the people that I worked with and worked for. You know, I prided myself so much on how I held myself to the highest of high standards. And I was seeing that many, if not a majority of a lot of the people I worked around didn't do the same. And then I started to learn about some of the corruption that really happened. And I encountered crooked administrators during my own career and uh, you know people who I caught blatantly lying and stealing in positions of, of great trust and power. And I started seeing like altered videos from cameras and stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? I have to go, you know, I have to get out of this line of work because I can't stand behind anymore. And that was so absolutely hard when you had to look at that dissonance of some standpoint that you had and you look at it, you're forcing yourself to look at it from another perspective. It's literally like having to peel yourself out of a skin and it is an extremely hard thing to do. Look at me, here Here I was, a guy who thought he was doing a job for the greater good, who deserved reverence and, and admiration from people because of the title, because of what I did. And now you know I understood why a lot of people felt the same way about the profession, why I lost so many friends during the course of having that job, why I had such a closed group of people that I was friends with who were all in the same line of work back then. It was so uncomfortable to look at it first from... The other perspective. I had to unzip from that skin and look at it from the outside because I really didn't want to believe some of the harsh truths that I probably already knew were out there. Because believing it from the point of view that there was literally a part of something that I was, I was a part of that was potentially corrupt meant that I was possibly part of that corrupt system. And how could you be against something but part of it at the same time? And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying at all that law enforcement is crooked and corrupt by no means. There's actually a good majority of great people who are in that job, but there's definitely abuses of power all around. And that was the entire reason I had gotten into politics when I am now, to help govern those aspects from a different vantage point than the one I was in because I wasn't able to affect the change that I wanted to, that I needed to make so I felt better about it all. And really, that was painful and it took a lot. And now when I see things, I I don't find myself judging them as much. I try to judge it for good or bad. You know, I let the evidence present itself. Kind of like I did for the George Floyd incident. I saw the video from the cell phone when that whole thing first started. But I also saw the video right off the bat from a surveillance camera on the street. And you couldn't really see because it was so far away. But I could see there was a whole piece of the story we weren't seeing. He was up against the car, and then he was on a ground, and then he was on the other side of the car. There was definitely something more, but nobody was reporting on it. But really, that didn't matter in the end, because putting your knee on a person's neck until they go unconscious was never an okay thing in my book. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, I don't care what happened, that's not okay. As soon as this guy was complaining of breathing issues or he stopped responding, you render aid immediately. Like, if you encounter somebody who you're in a gunfight with them. As soon as the person's incapacitated, you switch from being in that mode where you're, you're defending your own life to taking out the med kit and rendering aid to this person as soon as they're not a uh, threat anymore. So what I saw, I recognized that the whole act was wrong right off the bat. And I knew that there was a potential for more that the story entailed, but I also didn't really need it because there was nothing that could have really excused the end result. But in those incidents, people get so polarized against something that no matter what evidence comes about, because a lot of those, the, the camera videos will pick up at the absolute wrong times. You'll miss a whole portion of stuff. And I also hear that defense come from cops too, where you don't know what happened before the camera turns on and really the camera, that, that events comes out and it's like, yeah, no, it, it didn't matter. You know, I saw the extra stuff. I saw the, I saw the director's cut and it still didn't excuse what happened. But even in those incidents where it maybe paints a clearer picture, there's some people who aren't willing to look at that from that other perspective, that expanded point of view, and take on that new information and maybe change the standpoint that they were on. But this goes beyond law enforcement stuff too, even when it comes down to religion. And again, I'm purposely going over these subjects because they're highly triggering. You know, If they trigger you throughout this entire episode, if they challenge you, I challenge you, to ask yourself the question, why is it triggering me? Because if there is a trigger where you're defending a certain standpoint without observing all of the available information, you may be suffering from cognitive dissonance on that subject. Now, with religion, I really was never raised in a specific faith at all. Um, Definitely Christianity was probably the predominant one for quite a while. Um, But I remember I challenged things with my, my grandfather as well about the Bible. And I had read and said that I'd read a bunch of different things. And and I remember saying that some of them didn't make sense. And there were discoveries really since then that solidified those discrepancies for me. I remember one of the biggest ones really was one thing that made me lean away from that faith and really start questioning everything I knew about religion and really led me to more of an omnistic belief than I have now, which... Uh, if you're not familiar with omnism, it's it's really a belief that all religions sort of deserve their right to exist. And, you know, you may believe in part of one of them or um, or as many of them as you see fit. Um, but there are certain things that I really don't agree with certain religions. I don't agree with Satanism. I don't agree with some faiths that degrade and suppress women or gay people. Um, but there are parts of some of those same religions that have those viewpoints that also have aspects that I may resonate with a little bit. And I get into that subject, and I have religious friends who say, well, how can you believe in one part and not another, and and say you're a believer in that faith? It's it's all or nothing. And that was one of the parts right there that caused a ton of discord for me. And I watched it cause a ton of discord whenever I had this debate with some of those people. So this is this is really the biggest part of what, I'm not going to say ruin Christianity for me, but something that kind of just definitely made me open my eyes a little bit more to stuff. So in the year 325, the Emperor Constantine created the Council of Nicaea, and this council determined how the Christian and Catholic faiths were going to establish all of their fundamental beliefs going forward. He took a bunch of bishops and, and religious figures and brought them together for this huge sort of discussion and how things were going to go forward and make the rules for these religions. He claimed to be a steward of the faith and, and you know, that he, he didn't want Christians to be attacked. And, that, you know, that was a thing in some of those times. Christianity was fairly a new religion. So he tried to boost the faith and he created this council to determine the best course of action, the best way this faith was going to move forward Christianity. And him, with a law, with a along with a group of other religious figures, Determine what books in the Bible and what certain things were going to be included in the book going forward and certain things were removed and he kind of made it like an a la carte version as he saw fit and he was often one that was rumored to disobey quote the, the laws of God and he he sort of rewrote the faith into what we know it of today. So who is this guy? Like, who was this politician to be able to get away with shaping the supposed word of God? Well, he did it, and now people follow that faith 1,700 years later without questioning its origins. And much of what people know of that faith was this rewritten version by a bunch of people who were born hundreds of years after Jesus who did it for mostly political reasons and a lot of different control reasons. But if you question modern-day followers of that religion, you'll be met with some of the harshest cognitive dissonance that you can possibly be met with because they have been led to believe by a lifetime of indoctrination and really perceptions that were manipulated many, many years ago and have been ever since. And that, that point of view, that opinion that they are used to is, is right and anything else is heresy and it's wrong. When in fact, what they believe in is potentially a perversion of the original writings and teachings and it could actually be the perversion itself. Now, I know that one statement right there could be extremely offensive to some people. That's not my point. My point is to literally question it all because I've heard explanations on how those changes that happened back then were legitimate ones. I'm just saying... You have to look at all the the facts and circumstances, and that's that's even a story that a lot of people aren't even aware of that that's part of the history of Christianity. But for me, that was a turning point because I'm like, well, how can I stand behind this thing? That'd be like some president now changing something that's thousands of years old. You know, the Old Testament, everything they're, they're just throwing things out and putting in what they saw fit to fit the agenda of the day, and really. I feel like something similar is going on in our world today with so many different things. Right now, really, the media is the indoctrination, and it's really a state-run media. We have a a very similar state-run media in the United States as some other countries do. We criticize countries like China North Korea and stuff, but our main media companies are very similarly influenced. The media really is all connected. And there has been rumors of operations within our own government over the decades to manipulate information that goes out. I didn't believe it. I thought it was another one of those like QAnon type things, which um, it really wasn't because this, this whole rumor of influence by our own government and CIA into the control of the media is decades old, way before QAnon was even a thing. And People will often refer to this whole uh, opera, it was operation Mockingbird as a, quote, conspiracy theory. If you go and research it online on mainstream sources, you put it in Google or Yahoo or something, it's going to come up and it's going to say that people like QAnon call it an, a conspiracy theory that the government controls the media. But when you actually look up the Freedom of Information Act documents that come directly from the CIA, it references projects on there. One of them was Mockingbird. It's from the 1970s. It's from 1975. I've read it. I have it. When you research it online, it's delegitimized de- de- by mainstream sources. But if it's not true, then why is it in the 1975 documents? It's listed as a project. It has an official mer- military officer who, who is the head of the project, just like other projects that are on that list, and they have their own military officers. But when faced with that fact that our media is potentially manipulated, it, or was at one point, or could still be, when you're faced with that fact, people can't handle that because it means that that nightly news they sit and watch may not be the actual truth, very likely couldn't be. And that rock solid foundation or what they thought was a rock solid foundation could literally just be nothing but manipulation and likely wrong. And wow, will people fight to defend it. It's amazing. I found that out in the last few weeks in my own personal life, which kicked off this episode for me. It really was what inspired me to do it. I sat on it for a little while, but it was something that's bothered me so much and I see it going on. I see it wrecking so many relationships with family and friends, with people, not particularly me, but I see it happening with other people. And I recently had it happen to me, really the most significant one. I'm sure I've had people unfollow me for stuff that I've posted, which again, I'll just post it to, to... Spark thought. I really have no standpoints on any of it because I think it's all garbage. Who knows who's telling the truth anymore? Um, But this one particular person, uh, I was really getting alienated by someone who I considered a friend. He was mad because every time I referenced something about uh, the virus numbers being uh, skewed and false, he got angry and he was always asking for proof. Uh, You know, apparently when I look back, um, he was asking for proof. Where's your, where's your, where's your links? Where's your documents and all that. And of course, I have data to back up some of those things, but I don't sit and do the debates on Facebook. I hardly go on Facebook anymore. You know, I try to go on there and post things on the social media pages, but the debates on this kind of stuff, they just I find them fruitless because who knows who's telling the truth anymore. But I do have some data from what I would consider trustworthy sources. And I would say that the numbers were definitely skewed. I presented that information. And a huge part of it was because hospitals were were definitely suffering financially before the pandemic hit. Many of them were uh, getting and are still getting huge amounts of money for the number of cases they have and deaths that they have. Um, and, you know, I, I think this one was sparked off of me seeing in my political roles, one of our local government entities was forced to put this little blurb in the newspaper. I don't know who forced them to do it, but it was like a disclaimer from a certain board of health. And... It said something to the effect of our numbers of those who died with COVID are not those who died of COVID, which of course would skew the numbers. If someone died in a car crash and they tested positive for COVID, they would be counted as a COVID death, which also the PCA tests, there was data that showed that they cannot distinguish between COVID and a few other significant illnesses. They just showed up as a positive. And even some of those tests that we've been hearing about have been, providing false negatives and false positives. People will get four tests done in a day and they'll get two positive and two negatives. Yet all the numbers thrown at us are showing the worst of the worst. They're showing the worst possible end of the spectrum with no other potential explanations. And when you try to go down the hole of looking at it, you're called a conspiracy theorist or that you're not taking it seriously. And We're just supposed to believe what's what's thrown out there and not question those discrepancies. So like the whole deal with the Warren Commission, like the way Christianity was put together in my eyes, none of these are conspiracy theories. They're just facts that make you question a certain narrative, and it happens to be a mainstream narrative. And it, it leads you to make your own decisions on things. Well, this supposed friend apparently tried to engage me on social media several times, and um, when I post a comment on an article that I felt was fear-mongering, and I... Posted something on there to just question the narrative. I was asked to present my facts, like I have my links and all that kind of stuff, just sitting there waiting to present it when I'm when I'm engaged. I did engage fast enough, um, or at all, on this particular debate, and you know there was no point for me to. But it was apparently offensive that I didn't engage. I really don't like to to, to discuss this stuff at all. I stay away from this on the podcast. I was really even debating doing this episode because I think it lowers the vibe of people. And I know that this entire episode is probably going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. It's the opposite of what I want to do for the show. But I also feel like this is a very, very powerful subject that can open up so many doors for people. Because one of the subjects that I talked about might cause a bit of cognitive dissonance for you. I hope that it doesn't make people so uncomfortable they stop listening. But I know that's a potential possibility. Well, this particular person sent me a message after he waited for a little while and said he was taking a break from me and the podcast all because I was a different person than he thought I was and that we see things differently. And my response was pretty much like, okay, well, then you do you. You're, you're, I guess, not the person that I thought you were as well. If you're willing to not talk to me over... An opposing view. I I would never treat you or anyone else like that. Uh, You know, really tolerant, unless you have a very hateful, very racist type of view, something along those lines. I I don't think I would really cut someone out of my life. Um, But after feeling kind of like a doormat, which I'm kind of over at this point, but this this is a person that I welcomed into my home on multiple occasions. Which, if you really make it that far into my inner circle, you've broken through the wall that I've really put up, and probably one that I've made a little bit thicker now since this incident. But it means that, you know, I, I've let someone into that, that inner part of my life. And when that gets broken, it really means something to me over something so small and trivial. But it was just, I think, the catalyst to kick off this subject that the cognitive dissonance with people, when you question anything, they're so unwilling to consider any other viewpoint than the one that they're on because it is painful and uncomfortable that they will go through links. And I've seen it happen with so many people. And that was my first experience of going through it. But I guess that's the point of my entire episode. That when you find yourself getting triggered by a point of view, you have to ask yourself why. You know, if someone's saying that Black Lives Matter triggers you and you respond with All Lives Matter, you really got to question a lot of stuff um, and question yourself why. You know, my son asked me that question. We just talked about this today. And we saw some signs and he just said, you know, I really feel like like all lives matter. And I said, absolutely. I mean, he's young and I guess kind of doesn't get it because we don't have uh, views that any life would be any less valuable or more valuable than another. You know, we value everybody the same. But I told him that you're absolutely right. Every life matters. But I want you to see it a little bit differently. Look at that statement from every angle. And I said to help him understand it, I said take a look at what whales go through in the ocean. They get hunted to this day and it's sad. You know, he loves animals so much. I said, you know, it's a tragedy and we want to save the animals. We want to save the whales, right? And he said, yeah. I said, well, we can say that all sea life matters. You know, the dolphins matter, the, the sea turtles matter, and he agreed. But I said, the ones that we need to focus on right now are the ones that need the most help at the moment. So just because we're saying save the whales. It doesn't mean that we're saying the hell with the rest of the the ocean, you know, the hell with the octopus, right? And he got it. He got got that idea. Sometimes you have to just, like I said, step back and just look at all of those points of view. And I really think that's the, the, the actual solution to cognitive dissonance. When we lodge ourselves from that perspective, that hard standpoint that we can entrench ourselves in, and we find ourselves where we might be unwilling to budge from we have to ask ourselves why we have to ask ourselves why are we believing in that standpoint so much why are we willing to sacrifice friendships why are we willing to not listen to other points of view why are we not willing to do a little bit of research to maybe disprove that what is it about the information that we are believing so much is it the source is it because it's comfortable what is it i'm an independent as far as politics go all the way I was a Democrat for the longest time, you know. Since we've we've had of uh, we have a lot of international listeners, so really in the U.S. the the two main political parties are the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, the Democrats really claim to have a very liberal standpoint, while the, the, the Republicans are conservative. You know, Democrats believe in higher minimum wage for everybody. They want to decrease military spending. They are for things like. Um, Uh, one of the hot topics was, you know, making abortions legal for a whole bunch of different reasons that they feel are important. And the Republicans, they they are completely against abortions under any circumstances. They think that wages should be set by free markets. Uh, They want increased military spending. So they're they're very opposite ends of the spectrum on both sides. And I really feel like those two political parties, the the fact of the matter is that the only two that are allowed to the presidential debate table, I feel like it's a whole divide and conquer. So I've pulled myself away from both. I really try and stay independent. in the past, I really leaned Democrat historically, but, uh, you know, I've seen some things in the past few years that made me really turn away from leaning that way completely. Um, But because I didn't lean completely toward the Democrat side in this very, very polarized election season, I was seen as a Trump supporter and called a Trump supporter, which I'm far from. Um, I don't like what that guy said when he was in office. I feel like he'd taken a lot of dignity away from the prestigious office of the president with some of the stuff that he said. Um, I really don't like some of the views and some of the things he said about women. I don't care how you feel about people like Rosie O'Donnell or anything else. You just There's certain things you just don't say. But because I didn't believe all the way with the Democrats, it challenged cognitive dissonance. So therefore, they want to put you, not just them, anybody who's in that cognitive dissonance standpoint wants to put you in a box that labels you especially if it's something that is completely opposing to something they have been tilted so far to the side of their polarity on. And that was the other side, the Republicans, the right, the Democrats of the left, the Republicans of the right. And I found that very offensive because I don't lean towards the right. I have leaned very much away from the right. I have for a very long time. But when you're an independent, you're kind of equally disliked by both sides because a lot of the time you're agreeing and disagreeing with both sides frequently. But it was easier for those with a strong sense of cognitive dissonance to label me as something because I challenged their belief. It was easy to file me away in the category of the enemy because I challenged any part of that belief. And it's a hard place to be in because it makes you just pretty much equally unpopular with both sides. And the same way that I had fallen into the us versus them mentality when I was in the police force, the same way that I had beliefs of believers and non-believers in religion uh, or about how politics polarize each other. How both sides will demonize the other amazes me and the cognitive dissonance just kicks in. And there's one huge thing that I think would help everyone. It's one piece of advice that I say you could do first to really try to kick some of the cognitive dissonance if you think it's kicking in about a subject. Don't judge information. Just let it be what it is. Information comes in and don't immediately judge it as a conspiracy theory. Don't judge it as corrupt media. That's both sides of the spectrum. Do your own critical thinking. Do the SIFT acronym, which is S-I-F-T. Stop. Investigate the source. Find alternative coverage. And track the original context. You'll be surprised at how little time it takes sometimes to sift out the garbage. There's also efforts you can get into. And really without going too much farther, I feel like I'm kind of being a dead horse a little bit, but there's one, one part about this that brought it up again to me this week, just three days ago. I'm recording this on, on uh, February 20th, 2021. So if you're looking back, you can look back to this time frame. but I think it was about three or four days ago. So probably around like the 17th or 18th in the New York Times, they actually published an article that told people to stop thinking critically. Don't go down the rabbit hole. Basically telling you not to question mainstream sources even though these mainstream sources are hardly ever aiming at accuracy anymore. They're just more interested in being first. You know, and that's been in the game a long time when it comes to media, but now with how electronic everything is, it's less important to be correct and more important to be first in a lot of their eyes. And this article literally says not to think critically and it mentions that if you're you know when you go and vary your news sources you could end up somewhere like a white supremacist forum and listen to the opinions on racism on that forum and you'd be getting your in your sources on that subject from a very improper source well of course you would you wouldn't go on a white supremacist forum for your info i hope you wouldn't go there for anything but obviously if you're going there for that kind of information you're making a huge mistake so they They take a piece of information that would immediately make you divisive and use that as the example. I say when articles like that pop up, you really need to question things even more. You obviously don't want to go down every conspiracy theory website to try and get your facts and information because then everything that comes up is just going to be another one of those those types of things. But when you use sources like DuckDuckGo instead of Google, um, I use that one. I know it's gained huge popularity for non-bias reporting, and I have been shocked at the type of stuff that I've learned. I was using some search engines that were going completely far right, and I was getting completely dragged down a wrong path, and everything was starting to turn into a huge friction point between the left and the right. I went to that DuckDuckGo search engine, and I have found that I have literally started to not be so polarized in so many different subjects because I'm learning that a lot of the things that do come out are factual. And I feel like it's been a great source. So it's just one example of the things that you can do to vary your sources and not take a stand on any one given side. Because if you find out the entire time that you were standing on a certain standpoint and you found that all of the information you were using to stand at that perspective was false, what have you done? You know, maybe lost friends and insulted people and alienated people over a viewpoint that you had based on a false narrative. It's really all something to think about. Um, It really, like I said, this was a very tough episode to record because it's not very uplifting. It's a hard one. Um, But really cognitive dissonance with how much influence it gets thrown at us through social media and the internet and certain political and public figures. I mean, they have politics and Hollywood and, and so many people wrapped up in promoting certain things to get people on the same standpoint. And when they're trying to get you to all look in one direction, you have to wonder why. Dig deep. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to look at those different viewpoints, but see what's actually behind it and try to elevate yourself against the polarities on hot topics, no matter what they are. I really get confused over those who get upset over my views because I have no real hardcore views. I don't stand behind anything. I really don't trust a lot of people. I definitely don't trust a lot of public figures, and I will challenge a view from as many angles as I possibly can just to provoke thought. But it's really a freeing perspective to have once you've cut the ties from those viewpoints that limit your perspective. It limits you and it limits your perspective. But I hope this is one subject that has enlightened you a little bit more and gets you to think a little bit more and hopefully makes you sidestep some of the conflicts and judgments you might have. Um, and makes you maybe think things a little bit more before you judge your or other people's viewpoints in the world. So I'm going to wrap this one up. I'm going to leave you with a song from Eula. This one's called Transcendence. I thought this was a great title to wrap up this episode, trying to transcend some of these conflicts, some of these discordant situations, some of these things that divide us up and do what we can to unite a lot more. Realize who it is that's trying to divide us and the reasons behind it. When you counter that cognitive dissonance, take time out. Accept yourself, accept others. You got to realize that as a collective, we are all waking up. Until next time, keep living.